Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 13 of The Wiles of Satan. Oh, how powerful are the arts and fascinations of this infernal magician who can thus make men best pleased with that state in which they are rebels to God and slaves to lusts, and from which they can expect nothing but amazements, horrors, and distractions of mind, which will at one time or another afflict those who prostitute their consciences to such impieties as have in them the highest mixture of both folly and madness. Have we not need to remind men of Christ's counsel? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. John 7.24 When so many easily fall in love with gilded abominations and greatly disesteem and scorn what is truly noble and divine, by the uncouth visards that are put upon it. Have we no need to set before men's eyes that woe that is denounced against them who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Isaiah 5.20 When not a few are under the power of strong delusions and believe a lie, surely it is not unnecessary in this age of prodigious looseness, wherein this imposture of Satan has so far prevailed that it is thought pleasant enough to defend the worst of debaucheries and to vindicate them from censure by the putting upon them of some light-hearted name, which is the same as if a leper should expect to be reputed clean because he has covered his foul ulcers with costly clothing. Or as if a patient should be in love with his disease because the physician calls it by some name which he has purposely invented to please that patient's fancy. Device 6. A 6th device or machination, which, like the net cast on the right side, takes multitudes, or like the bow of Jonathan and the sword of Saul never returns empty, is Satan's ensnaring all sorts of persons in the use of lawful things. The adage is not more common than true that we are undone by lawful things, rather than by sins. The smooth and deceitful stream carries more to the whirlpool, which irrecoverably sucks them in, than the rough and loud waters which frighten passengers from venturing upon them. Oh, this is a great snare. Many men can give no account of time, parts, or estates, but they can of hunting, drinking, hawking, and so on. By his art and cunning, Satan makes men transgress proper 
abounds in the use of pleasures, recreations, nay, even necessary things. Therefore, take heed what you do or how you walk, and be sure to set boundaries to yourselves, remembering that excess may turn that which is good into an absolute evil. Eating may become gluttony. Industry in a man's calling may become covetousness. Recreations may become looseness when they are unbounded and not according to the rule and warrant of the word. Device 7. The seventh while of Satan is to suit his temptations to the ages and conditions of men. Satan observes young years, middle age, and old age. He also observes the ages in Christianity, as the Apostle John shows in 1 John 2, 12-13, where he writes to babes, young men, and fathers, as those who are subject unto various temptations, and so need to be cautious. Number one, young men, he tempts to lust and wantonness. Therefore, Paul bids Timothy to flee youthful lusts, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. And, oh, that I might prevail with young men to possess their vessels in holiness and to remember their nature is that nature Christ has taken on himself. It is the apostle's argument in 1 Corinthians 6.19 that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost. Number two, Satan tempts middle-aged persons in that he stirs up an itch for honor and to be great of building their families and laying foundations of a name. And in this very snare, many are caught who, by this very temptation, have their thoughts and minds so possessed that they willfully resist light and put themselves upon courses that turn away their hearts from God. It is the thought and intent of many a man that, after he has feathered his nest and done so and so, he will think about his soul. Thus, many of the popes sought the popedom by unlawful arts, especially Sylvester II. Number three, Satan has temptations for old age, such as covetousness and peevishness. Satan also observes the conditions of men as well as their ages and constitutions, the estates in which men are set. If men are afflicted and sad in spirit, he frightens them with fears and fancies that are as ghastly as the evils themselves. A melancholy person whose fancy is like a broken glass, he fills with jealousies, surmises, that make it swell as the waters of jealousy did the belly of the guilty woman. Oh, a dark heart is Satan's shop to hammer his temptations in. If a man is poor, 
Then Satan tempts him to turn stones into bread, as he did Christ when he was hungry. If rich, then to turn bread into stones is the devil's alchemy. Thus he works with men's states, conditions, humors, and passions, as Agrippina did. When she poisoned her husband Claudius, she mingled the poison with the meat which he loved most. Device 8. The eighth device is the insinuation of many suggestions and temptations in such an indiscernible manner and way that we cannot discern or differentiate them from the reasonings and thoughts of our hearts. If men could so distinguish them, they would not so easily hearken unto them. Bernard, in his 32 Sermons on Canticles, Song of Solomon, said, It is scarcely possible for any man to put an exact difference between the biting of the serpent and the concupiscence and depravity of his own mind. I have not been able to make any distinctions between the things the heart gives birth to and the evil tears the enemy sows and casts in. It is most uncertain what I should attribute to myself and what to him. Now, if Satan can thus cast in suggestions in such an insensible manner, he must gain an advantage because this way the gates of the soul are more readily opened to him. If men apprehended that such and such suggestions came immediately from the devil, they would abhor to yield or hearken to them. But when they apprehend them to be nothing but motions and desires arising in themselves, they are more apt to entertain them and comply with them. If Peter, when he tempted Christ to spare himself, Matthew sixteen twenty two, had conceived the thought to have been from the devil, certainly he would never have said it but he looked upon it only as the stirring of his own affections. If David had thought that the provocation to number the people had sprung from Satan, he would not have been so earnest in it. But that which makes this while of Satan more dangerous is that, though he many times has circumvented us in this way, yet we do not know how to be aware of him. If someone, through show of friendship or through flattery, has been injurious to us. We can ever after be aware of him and not admit him to counsel us, but here it is otherwise. When Satan has today deceived us in this way, he may come again tomorrow and do it again because we cannot discern his suggestions from our own thoughts. Yet we may suspect them when we find that they are first against nature, such where the very shadow of a thought peeping out strikes the flesh into a trembling, second, when they are sudden and violent, like lightning, and third, when they are without reasonings, being accompanied with importunity. But the best remedy against this while is not to be curious to distinguish between his suggestions and our computations, but to be careful not to consent.
And to remember that evil thoughts are the head of that old serpent. Device 9, the ninth while, which is a very great subtlety and device of Satan, is in his delusions about doctrine. In seducing and drawing men aside into error by plausible opinions and doctrines that seem to come near the scripture and are like it as alchemy is like gold. A pregnant instance of this we have in Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 2 and Second Peter 2, 1. Some false teachers, for Satan has his apostles and ministers, as well as Christ, came with the plausible doctrine of mortification. For what could tend more to mortification than thoughts of the nearness of the day of judgment? And to strengthen this opinion, they pretend that they came to the knowledge of this truth partly by revelation from the Spirit, partly by computing the years, and partly by something the apostles had written. Now, what was there in this opinion that was hurtful? It is an opinion that comes very near scripture. Does not Peter say almost the same thing? Be sober and watch. The end of all things is at hand. Nay, does not Paul say the very same thing? 1 Corinthians 10.11, the ends of the world are come. That notion tends much to mortification and the practice of holiness. Do you think men would not live holily if they apprehended the day of judgment to be near? Would not this keep down an abundance of corruption? How Jerome professed himself to be overawed with this, that he thought he heard the sound of the last trumpet, whatsoever he was a-doing? But to expose this while, let me again tell you wherein it differs from Scripture, and then let me show you the danger of it. This was episode 13 of The Wiles of Satan by William Spurstow.